I V M. The language used on the podcast may not be fit for consumption. We warn you, tread carefully. But listen, yar, don't be so conservative. All right, it's a bit of a disaster. Horrible morning for me as we start this lovely show, which is supposed to be lovely. Uh, the sad news is we're starting on the wrong footing because I have been robbed. No, not because of the budget. That I'll come to when Pratap joins us properly and discusses whether I'm robbed or not. But I'm actually physically robbed. Somebody broke into our office late night, and as as of now, we've discovered he's only taken a small old laptop. But uh, I don't know. We'll have to see exactly what's happening. But it's it's horrible. It's a terrible feeling. I I, I haven't felt like this since uh, I think Rajesh Kapadia beat me up in the fourth standard for taking a vada pav from his uh, desk, which he himself has stolen from Rajiv Khanna, and that was a domino effect where three four boys got hammered by the fattest boy in class. But coming back to this situation, it's horrible. It's terrible. And if anybody knows somebody in the Kalagora area walking around with a small laptop who is probably not English speaking and probably not wearing fancy clothes. Don't look at it as a class statement and how well India has done. Look at it as someone who's robbed my wife of her old laptop, and the consequences of that robbery will come to me, not to her, because the anger of a wife never ends. So how dare you, El Bandido? We'll catch you later. There's a fool and Devi amongst us, and I will catch her or him. Uh, gender not to be discriminated. Let's bring in Pratap Bhanu Mehta, the great man himself, who is very much part of the IBM family, and uh, his body of work and his glory is so much that I have to re- refer to it because there's no way I can remember it. I'll, I mean, I don't know where to start. He's a contributing editor at the Indian Express, but more important, he's a vice chancellor of Ashoka, Ashoka University and President Center Policy Research, New Delhi. So that means if my son, age 18, needs to get into Ashoka University, I just have to pick up the phone, mate. And <laughs> and I can tell from Pratap's expression that there will be no dialogue whatsoever. <laughs> This will be like India Foreign Office with Pakistan. It'll go nowhere. Pratap, sorry. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm saying sorry because I started on that horrible note, uh, not about the uh, influence for the child, but about the robbery in the house office. No, no. I mean, I'm sorry that's happened to you, and and you know, I'm sure the psychological consequences will be disconcerting for a while. Um, but you know, you shall overcome. Wow, my God, you sound like Obama. <laughs> or the young young <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. That was fabulous. Wow. No. A little bit like uh, some of the elder statesmen in India as well. None of them are around right now. But uh, let's quickly talk about the uh, the budget first. Then we'll go into your fabulous career and how you've achieved what you've achieved. I mean, recipient of the Infosys Prize, the Adishyashaya Prize, if I pronounce it correctly, and the Amartya Sen Prize. Just the names and the brands attached to this means no small feat. We'll come back to that, but we'll start with the budget. I love the way the budget uh, details are given in our newspapers, English newspapers. Uh, headlines like "Budget needs good bounce to score." <laughs> I was like, "What the?" As a cricket lover, but I, you know, I was like, "Really? What is the? What is that? The, the pitch has to be have even bounce. What? What does he mean?" Well, I think two things, right? I mean, one, of course, a budget is a promissory note, which is contingent on lots of. If this happens, then this promise will be redeemed, right? Um, and there are a lot of if this then variety of statements in this budget, right? If the stock market booms, if you can privatize, then the budget deficit will be in reasonable shape. If the animal spirits pick up, then 
the employment problem will be. So there are lots of these if-then statements, right? It's like saying, if the pitch doesn't crumble on the fourth day, then India will win. Right. Um, so I suppose that's what it means. Wow. So you know, now you're suddenly giving me fear. Because I thought this was like a positive statement. What you're saying is read between the lines. It's like a mutual fund subject to market risk uh, dialogue at the end of your, uh, your certificate. So the consensus from, I know they're right-leaning channels and all that and very much part of the, almost the BJP talk tank now. But all of them were screaming and shouting yesterday in Hindi and English at least uh, that it was a great budget and the greatest ever and the second greatest uh, budget in terms of expectation uh, after I dare say Chidambaram and uh, Manmohan uh, Singh and uh, 2017 budget as well. No, no. So look, to be fair, uh, it's actually a pretty good budget. Um, one, of course, uh, our definition of good has been set by the low standards of the last six years, um, and Ooh. people were were, were, wow. were fearing worse. But 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 no, even even in its intrinsic terms, I think it's a good budget in the sense that it's macroeconomically responsible. Uh, it's it's not sort of taken the easy way out as it were, right? Uh, macroeconomically, as in, uh, as in as, as, for the people budget? Is that what you're well, saying? So I, I'm just coming to that in sorry, a second. Sorry, macroeconomically sorry. meaning you're not, you know, you're, you're running a budget deficit, but you're not acting under the illusion that you can just spend your way infinitely uh, without accounting for how to pay for it. Uh, it's a good budget because actually it is transparent about the numbers, uh, which has been unusual. Uh, you know, so for example, there used to be a lot of off-budget deficit uh, to keep the deficit number, headline number down. They've actually brought that onto the balance sheet, uh, the money they owed to the Food Corporation of India. So at least there's there's a modicum of transparency about that budget, right? Okay. The question is, who will this budget benefit? I think the biggest statement that people are getting excited about is these grand pronouncements about privatization. This signals that we are going to sort of, you know, sell off public sector units, uh, reform is back with the bank. The sad news is that those kinds of targets that they're setting for privatization, uh, we've been setting for the last three successive years. Uh, and so unrealistic. Unrealistic. I think the only thing that people are encouraged by is that for the first time they're listing the fact that a couple of public sector banks might be privatized. Now, the interesting question is whether there's enough capital sloshing around uh, to make this kind of privatization possible or will it end up like the Air India privatization? Right? There you go. That's the elephant in, in the room. In, in, to theory, use the point. Yeah. In, in theory, a good idea. But, but I think it's, it's at least convinced a lot of people, right, that we have finally learned the lesson that you need to reform in a crisis. So we're pro-privatization and as Air India and a few other huge iconic brands, but uh, we're in a coma. So nothing will really happen. So, so the weakness in the budget, right, is one, I think the budget operates on the assumption that uh, India's poor, uh, lower middle classes and those below the poverty line can be taken absolutely for granted. They were the hit, they were hit the hardest by the pandemic. I mean, just think of it this way, right? 50 to 60% of Indian households cannot survive for a week if their wages are not made available to them, right? They don't have any savings at all. As we found out. Small and medium enterprises, right, are still relatively comatose. Uh, They were the ones worst hit by the pandemic. I mean, most of them suffered, you know, 20 to 30% income losses. Most of us would go out of business if we had a loss like that. This budget, I think, takes it for granted, A, that that group is not going to politically react, right? Uh, all the anger over migrant labor has disappeared. All the hand-wringing over the small and medium enterprises has disappeared. You think? Uh, 
where is the political expression, right? I mean, the only anger is coming from the farmers, which is which is which is a whole sort of unrelated story, right? Correct. So I think it's a very politically confident budget that since there hasn't been an organized expression of anger, uh, you actually don't have to do anything for that group. And if you believe, so this is the big debate, right? Uh, if you believe that the constraint on the Indian economy is a supply side constraint, if the government spends a little bit more, reforms a bit more, India will grow, then this is an excellent budget. If you think it's a demand side constraint that 60 or 70% of the population does not have enough money to spend, the super rich will spend, the upper middle classes will spend, but the rest don't have enough money to spend, then this is not uh, a very constructive budget because it doesn't do much to stimulate their consumption and their demand. Yeah, but uh, just looking back at it for a second, uh, are you saying that we are lulled into complacency, uh, the middle class of India, that everything is gung-ho and hence we are distracted from all the other, like the migrant crisis? I mean, you just mentioned agri-sector. Every time we have a budget, they talk about a great boost in agri-sector and agriculture and agricultural uh, you know, subsidies, etc., etc., etc. I mean, I have no idea what that means in any case, but you see the farmers are out. They hate those new laws. They've not come to a compromise, no matter what people say. So it's what? Is it just all talk and nothing gets translated? Is that the big issue all the time with every budget because you're saying there's if you read it correctly it's not the worst budget in the world but is it just that the implementation doesn't happen no, no, no sir. so i think there are two things right so in some areas implementation doesn't happen but you're talking to an eight-year-old now so you have to be very very careful no, to explain no, it no, yeah. no. eight years old understand budgets better than most of us do so. <laughs> or maybe make it uh, right <laughs> right so yeah. uh in some areas, implementation doesn't happen, but fundamentally, right, the challenge is particularly in the kinds of sectors that you mentioned, uh, small and medium enterprises, agriculture, uh, the environment. Those are areas where you cannot do, as it were, paper reforms. It's not a question of just changing one law uh, and you think, boom, agriculture will boom, right? If we just sort of abolish the APMC Act, somehow tomorrow agriculture will boom. This requires you to actually do things. You have to invest in agriculture research. You have to invest in crop diversification. You have to invest in creating organizations that can bring together farmers' cooperatives. And as you know, in India, wherever it requires collective action, right, we generally tend to fail. So what we do well is either we do one short thing well, you know, mission mode may luck if you want to do one thing which has a clear target, a definite time horizon, like running an election, we can do it, right? Running a kum mela, we can do it. But things that require regular attention by large numbers of people over a significant amount of time, those are the things I think we tend to sort of be, you know, relatively uh, weaker at. It's not that the middle class is complacent, but the middle classes and upper classes have done very well in the last 10 years or so. Uh, in fact, even in the pandemic, right? I mean, if you've invested in stocks, you're smiling your way to heaven at the moment, right? Not uh, if you sold in May. Right. <laughs> not, not because, I mean, that's why you should have faith in God, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're right. Everybody said this hold, but there are, I know cases of people who panic a little and said, take what I get. Right. Yeah. So if you're invested in the stock market, you're looking at this economy and you're saying, look, I've never had it so good. Right. And so you actually don't see the underlying inequity and crisis that actually might come to haunt you five to 10 years from now, as it is in the case of, let's say, the 
farm crisis or you know youth unemployment in punjab this is like an episode of yes minister yeah. i think a measured response is what i'm getting from all this <laughs> but, but i i sort of understand what you're saying and i think they like to mix it up in their in their language that they use while presenting it as well not just the bjp government from time immemorial i just want to quickly ask you this life expectancy at birth that they throw in showing that health is better so india went from let's say 59.1 10 years ago 10 15 years ago uh, average death was at 59.1 and now to 69.3 a, a growth of 10 years but that's not really a correlation to what we are going through in the pandemic that's that's nice to know that you know or 10 years expectancy has grown or, or by 10 years uh, what we expect to live that is uh, but <laughs> it sort of offsets the pandemic issue which has got nothing really to do with that fact yeah, yeah no look i mean the pandemic is a short term event right it's, a, it's how short pradap I, i can't even have a drink I've stopped drinking, but that's another story. Well, well, if you live seventy years, one year is a shorter time, right? Then compared to if you live thirty years, right? Right, um, right. Uh, but no, no. I mean, now I, you switch small. Now, now you're as orange as your sweater. It looks like, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I think. I, I, I think more seriously. Uh, you know, certainly there have been improvements over certain key indicators, life expectancy. I think the the good news, or from certain point of view, is, for example, um, India's fertility ratio. is actually now dropping in closer to replacement level right we are doing better in infant mortality um the only piece of bad news i think girl child uh, in terms of health is child malnutrition figures which had been showing a steady improvement till a couple of years before the pandemic uh the rate of improvement in child malnutrition has slowed down right uh and if you think that the most important thing you can do for the future of the country is invest in you know one to four year toddlers because that's where most of sort of you know what they are going to be set in life uh that's probably not good news and again it's a good example because that requires you to do things right it requires you to invest in healthcare workers uh you know move from So from I'm a societal to... uh, point of view, I, I understand. Sorry, sorry. I just want to get in a couple more points quickly because I want to talk about you. Gold and silver. These are the headlines, okay? Gold and silver plunges. Gold and silver not so precious anymore. Rough deal for gold and silver. I'm thinking that's a little hyperbole or uh, too much. But when you read between the lines, it's not like really that bad. It's not like they've fallen from the skies completely. It's just a small reduction. No, no, no. So you know, one thing an economist will tell you, right? That whenever they use the term "fall," it's a relative term, right? So all it means is that if you thought the economy was going to tank, you take your money out of stocks and out of banks and out of everything else and put it into gold, and now you'll no longer do that. Uh, Does it mean it's a fall in absolute terms, right? Well, yeah, but you know, a five percent reduction in BCD on gold and silver infrasess of two point five percent. Trying to read between the lines, it's just it's a it's a slight. Cut on the wrist. It's really not like the, like if you have gold today, you made a big mistake in hoarding your gold. No, look, the taxation regime for gold is not going to make the big difference. What's going to make dif- big difference to the price of gold is what happens in the rest of the economy. Right. Right. I mean. Uh, fair enough, and the rest of the world. Uh, one of the last things. This is from my mother, who was arguing with me in the morning, and I, I wish uh, she could be on the show with us because she came up with the seventy-five. Again, the headline is always, you know, I, I love headlines, and even in sports, sometimes you know, India on their knees or whatever. Just two weeks have gone down, makes no sense. But same thing here. The seventy-five-year-old gets great tax relief, but if I understand what I read, it's only if you earn from one pension that will be uh, will be not subject to tax. Actually, that one, I think. is is a complete eye wash yeah. a, a you're not getting tax relief what they are saying is that your bank will file your tax return for you okay so you don't have to directly do it will send but 
just ask yourself this question, right? Uh, you still have to chase after your state bank of India guy to make sure that he's filed everything correctly. Uh, I, mean, I, I mean, I actually don't see what the, what the huge deal with that one is. Yeah. Which is the headlines. Again, when people yeah. don't understand the headlines, it throws you completely. Um, uh, yeah, one uh, last thing. Uh, just... Look, the people who listen to our kind of shows are, like, you know, yeah. largely English-speaking, upper-middle-class yeah. urban people. No disrespect to the farming community yeah. or the tribal community. Yeah. I'd love to have them listen. But uh, there's no point uh, talking about their expectations. What about us? Is it for us, people like myself, Amit Doshi, Silvery, who will join us soon? I dare say yourself. Is it a, if you could collectively talk about the middle and the so-called dynamic middle class, is it a good budget for us? So... It depends whether the middle class is thinking for the national interest or if it's thinking for itself. If it's thinking oh, for only ourselves, for, national interest was forced on us. Look, if it's thinking only for itself, then it's a good budget. The reason people are cheering is no new taxes on yeah. you know direct income, right? I mean, the super rich thought they'd be taxed. Uh, middle class thought taxes might go up. So from that point of view, I think it's fine. But pensions will be taxed for some people and all that. There's a little bit of here and there. Contributions to Provident Fund, uh, over 50 lakhs in a sense, will be taxed. Uh, But I think given that it was a COVID year and given that government finances had taken a beating, most people expected that we'll get a cess, COVID cess. Some kind of, we'll be asked to contribute a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. So, no, no. So, so what you're saying is that it's good news for me if, if I don't look at it from a national point right. of view. Yeah. 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 Not that I'm not a nationalist, but sometimes one has to think about oneself, especially when you've been robbed and now not the government by a certain individual. Yeah. Huh. All right. Sorry, you were saying something, Pratap? I no, 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 no. I was going to say nationalism rightly understood. Oops. Ouch. <laughs> if you're doing the comedy, I'm out of here. Yeah. All right. Now, let's talk quickly about yourself before we take a break. Um, Pratap, Bhanu Mehta, bio, where do we start? So you basically, from somewhere in the Rajasthan state, we find you in America and all those big Ivy Leagues like Harvard, etc. You want to tell us a little bit about uh, your background, how it all started? I mean, it's as boring as a background as you can get. I was um, what we jokingly call an academic brat, which is my father was a professor. And I think despite his trying very hard that I choose a different career. The apple fell right in front of the tree. So, you know, uh, ended up, in academia, mostly through strokes of good fortune, or uh, as Woody Allen once said about Harvard, you know, Harvard makes a lot of mistakes. <laughs> I must say, quite the gamut of influences for you. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it was very, very privileged to have a education. My, my original field was actually a very obscure one, which is political theory, political philosophy, that prides itself on having absolutely no bearing uh, on anything that has to do with the real world. And the joke about our field is that all you need to do is read 20 books. And if you master those 20 books, you're kind of done. It's better than our field where we read one book 20 times and still don't <laughs> understand it. Right. Yeah. That's uh, After spending some time in the US, we decided to return to India one, in 2001. Um, and I was briefly at JNU. Um, no, but you left and, out your PhD in politics from Princeton. Oh, oh, oh you, I mean... That's not boring. Yeah, no, no. Of course, it's not boring. You've got like three or four (laughs) Ivy Leagues where you've run through the entire, you know, lot. It's quite a serious amount of stuff that you've done before coming back. Trust me, Ivy Leagues are not worth having too much public conversation. This this show is called Pao Pado. We take Uh, the guy and we then touch your feet. That's our deal. The government has taught us that's the best way to work in the environment. No, no, no. 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 Remember the slogan these days is hard work, not hard word. Right. Right. No, no. Okay, I understand. I, I, I will not push your modesty so much. But uh, so Princeton, PhD, let people know that because you're not even using the word doctor. Uh, then you were a convener of the Prime Minister of India's National Knowledge Commission. 
member of the Supreme Court, which uh, appointed Lingdo Committee on Elections in Indian University. So that's when your foray into politics sort of begins. Well, actually, I mean, I, I don't have a foray into politics, uh, but the move to Center for Policy Research uh, which was more like a think tank and engaged with the real world, engaged with, politi- uh, with, with policy a little bit more. It sort of brought me down one notch to engage with some of the messiness of our politics, uh, Indian politics and Indian, public policy. Indian universities are the breeding ground, of, at least in the north, of, of the entire political process, is it not? No, no, absolutely. In, in fact, you know, one of the things kind of being on the Lingdo committee was, you know, going around different universities, uh, uh, understanding how important traditionally student politics has been for the creation of new, you know, new political leaders. Uh, the question is what kind of politics and on what terms is that politics con- conducted? Uh, are student elections going to be conducted on the same cronies terms, uh, you know, I think they'll probably introduce electoral bonds for student politics at some point soon. Uh, you know, once the ABVP captures the student union. Ouch. Okay. Uh, our our but, attempt was to understand, you know. Would, were you in, did anyone try to influence you, intimidate you, bribe you, talk to you in a certain way, present an idea? No, no, no. We were, you know, look, in, in those days we were, compelled, we, we were compelled to do this by the Supreme Court. Uh, and of course, you can't say that the Supreme Court can be bribed or intimidated in any way, shape or form. Can you? Unless you're Kunal right? Kamra. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Okay. All right. There's so much more. I don't have time. You've done too much. Why did you do so much? You should have done less in life, Pratap. No, no. Vice chair. Wait, wait, wait. You've got to answer this as short as you can. Vice chair of the World Economic Forum's Council on Global Governance. Wow, that sounds really big. No, that's that's actually not big at all. I mean, that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's what you mean. It's, it's one of the things that sounds big. Uh, it's actually quite quite meaningless, to be honest. Okay, fair enough. Uh, non-paying job there. But board of NIPFP, NCAR, NIID, uh, the third one of which I'm aware of. Uh, then you received the 2010 Malcolm, I hope I pronounced it correctly, Adishaya Award. Is that right? Right. Adishaya. Adishaya. So what, uh, Parsi first name and Tamram surname it looks like. And the 2011 Infosys Prize for Social Sciences. I mean... Guilty, guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. You know, guilty as charged. You should you should hold the selection committees in for you know wow. to account, right? Excellent. I'll I'll rifle to the towards the end because there's too much. His early work was on 18th century thought, particularly on Adam Smith and the making of the Enlightenment, not the Adam Smith that I knew in college, Anglo Indian kid from Cal. But yeah, go ahead. No, no, that we can talk. I mean, that was my PhD dissertation, um, right. which was on Adam Smith, and as um, many of your listeners might. Be interested in knowing, you know, Adam Smith uh, wrote uh, two great books, um, not just The Wealth of Nations, which is a book Everybody people knows. have heard about, but very few. Adam people. and Eve as well. Uh, uh, that's, that, that's some other guy uh, who, who, who messed up a little bit. Fair enough. Um, yeah. um, but he also wrote uh, a lot of moral philosophy, a book called The Theory of Moral Sentiments. And that's what I decided to do my PhD on. And, you know, in some senses, Adam Smith has remained a kind of abiding influence in life. Not, not to press the agenda here, but uh, when you talk about making of the Enlightenment, uh, is uh, so, so in conventional historiography, there's the sense that the 18th century, end of the 18th century, was the age of kind of enlightenment in Europe, uh, which is it's the creation of a new kind of public culture. Science has, of course, replaced religion and reason through a kind of long process. Uh, there is optimism that the applications of, you know, our mind are alone to bring about improvements in the world. So it was trying to position Adam Smith in that kind of thinking about so, what is this thing so called am I progressive, social, humane, 
Sort exactly, of, exactly. That's right. Is India the? Are we there in 2021 anywhere in the area of uh, social, humane, progressive, tech-friendly, advanced? But to be fair, even Europe wasn't there, and and you know, in many ways, still isn't there. I mean, this was more aspirational, right? It was like the Indian budget. It was as aspirational. <laughs> You're too good, Pratap. I bow to you. <laughs> you answer very correctly, and I can't, I can't, I can't uh, fault you on either side. Go on, go on. Uh, you know, but obviously we are, you know, we are a long way. We made some progress. We are living longer. That's a good thing, right? We thought we had a constitutional democracy. That was a good thing. But you know, sometimes you can regress. Open as to well. debate. Yeah, open to debate. Yeah. But there, there are good days yes. and there are bad yes. days. I get what yes. you're beautiful. You're right on the. You remind me of my dad in many ways. He would never fully commit, but his educated answer was always acceptable. Uh, <laughs> okay. Please, this is high praise from me. Huh? This is by no means sarcasm. <laughs> I'm, uh, we'll, I'm taking taking it as that. We'll, we'll take a quick break. Uh, I'm going to bring Silvery in. Let the young, because I'm uh, too middle aged myself now and perhaps cynical, uh, give us uh, a few questions as well, and we'll take the AMS as well. And hopefully, a lot of it will be on the budgets. So you better be ready for the strangest and most peculiar questions because I can't tell you what kind of people watch this show. Oh, okay, sure. Bata Banu Mehta in a second after this break. Follow me at Instagram and Twitter on Board Brocher. I'm so bored. I need your help. I need your love. I need your touch. Okay, just, just, just follow me. And now that the break is fully completed, as you know on IVM, our breaks are as short as our budgets. We go straight into Silvery, Silvery, are you there? Yes, I'm there. Uh, good morning. Good morning, sir. Look, 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 look at, can just look at his, uh, Silvery, look at his profile. I'm, I'm just telling you because yeah. you think back to our parents talking to us when we were kids. The man, the least of his achievements is he went to Harvard and Princeton and picked up a PhD along the way. I yeah. mean, and then, let's not get into the rest. Yeah. What have we done with our lives from a term, from terms of academia? I was just trying to think, I'm a BA, LLB, one-year LLB who didn't complete the course or two-year LLB, didn't complete the course because of MTV. You, yeah. my friend, I don't know, what are you? I am a bachelor's in architecture <laughs> and not even doing that. Okay, I mean, you're a he, BA. That's not yeah, bad. He builds things. I mean, that's well, well, he'll build the bridges that fall right. because he has to get a master's. Bachelor's not enough. All right. Yeah. So now we're with the expert. Yes. Uh, we put it all on Pradap's head. Yeah. Uh, what are the questions we've got? There, there are some in the chat. Yeah, please. If, I, have, I have one of my own though. Go ahead. Uh, sir, were, were you following this entire GameStop uh, frenzy? I, I mean, look, you know, so... A, my knowledge of finance and financial markets is... Better than ours. So that's in, why you're in, here. In negative territory. But yes, I think as, as both a political and institutional matter, it's quite a fascinating episode from what I can understand. Okay, fair but, enough. But what's, what, what's your concern about that? Or? No, I'm just asking like, how do you think markets internationally change because of that? Or, or do and you want think- to know whether whether it's a more legal process yeah. it should be followed by the uh, rest of the western and indian whatever yeah. the, the, I, I, the so-called democratic world no, no 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 so two things about it right one of course the regulators will look into the you know whether there was kind of any illegality although on the face of it there doesn't seems to have been right um, you know to me i think the from what i can understand the clearest analogy is what happened to our communication media when we went from media to social media right which is the possibilities of collective action and greater velocity, right? Upended all the assumptions of the traditional institutions. In some ways, good, which is partly what seems to have happened in this case, that they've kind of called out the bluff of some hedge funds. But in some ways, risky, because this can potentially create all kinds of volatility. 
properties that we had actually never thought of, right? So, you know, you, you might say in some senses, this is like the social media revolution coming to financial markets finally with all the good, bad and the ugly with it. Okay. Okay. Silvery, is that, is that good for you? Yeah, fair enough. I get it. <laughs> You're an architect. What the hell do you care? No, I'm, just, get on with your I'm ed- just thinking. Get on with your erections. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just want to know uh, how I can benefit from uh, short-term gain. So <laughs> this is why. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to the questions. Hey, well, his point is well made, actually, Pratap. Which is basically we all have this uh, lottery-loving gambler yeah. instinct in us. Even the most erudite uh, individuals like yourself, I'm sure. What, what, what we call the quick buck. You know, if there's a way to do it in three days, why do you want to spend 25 years working for an agency? So. I think that's the that's the lure. Is is that a fair thing to say, or this is just a once in a? No, no, this is the lure, and, and and you know, I mean, look, a lot of it depends on not just your appetite for risk, but you know, how much of your wealth are you actually going to put on the line, right? I mean, if if this risky kind of venture becomes a habit with all of us, I mean, the stock market is a bit of a gamble in a casino. But you're not playing anyway, with your own right? money; you're playing with other people's money, in a sense. Well, with the retail stuff, you are. A little bit playing with your own money, but but it's but it's small amounts for each individual investor. So presumably nobody is going to go hungry at the end of this, right? Because a lot of people are going to lose money. I mean, uh, uh, you know, but they've got Biden not- now, so they'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> seems like it's a little better bet. Uh, Silvery, yeah, all right. Let's get to the questions from the chat. Uh, Sanket Kukani says, a great fan of Pratap Bhanu Mehta, one of the best. Uh, his question is, how can a political party convince people that disinvestment, disinvestment is better for the country? Uh, common people think uh, in binary as though government is selling the country. So how can we change that? Is that a real thing? So, yes. So to be honest, I actually don't accept that. buy the argument that most people will not accept disinvestment. I mean, I mean, you just have to kind of explain it very clearly, which is, if you have, I mean, it partly depends what you are disinvesting, what price, but, you know, if you have assets sitting that are earning less than what you would earn if you put them in a bank, right? I mean, clearly it makes much more sense to, right, dispose of them. Plus, it's also, remember, governance is a scarce resource in this country, right? And the more silly things government is doing, the more it is taking away the scarce, scarcest resource, right? Which is, you know, what does your bureaucrat have to pay attention to, right? So I don't think there's actually mass opposition, mass opposition to disinvestment. Is there an emotional uh, point of view where you think, uh, say, Air India, let's take the most common example, Air India is a symbol, symbolic of India, pride, uh, patriotism, etc. And then you're trying to find buyers for it. It's almost like saying that we're not good enough. So it's like a sign of India being not good enough. So that sort of transitive property going into the mind of the uh, the person thinking, oh God, are we not doing so well as a country? Because now our iconic thing has to be sold and nobody wants to buy it. No, no I mean, I, you know, it, it'd be a tragedy if you judged India by Air India, right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Uh, I put out a tender, uh, but apparently 37 rupees is too little. Yeah. I, I think with their India, there's, there's, there's basically two things, right? Which is, uh, if you are trying to transfer all its accumulated liabilities to a buyer, right? Who's going to buy, right? And then the natural question comes that if you're not transferring its accumulated liabilities, right? Uh, if you could somehow pay them off yourself, uh, then is Air India still a viable public sector operation? Because its perceived revenue is actually not bad. Right. Its problem is that it's 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 kind of you know mismanagement. It's, it's stuck under this kind of accumulated waste for its past sins. Right. So could the state actually run a good airline? In principle, there is nothing that says that it can't. Right. Yes. Well, um, now with 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 Air India, the, the the trickiest issue, right, is 
Air India is a is an employment plan party, right? One of the reasons. Yeah. Uh, Some of our greatest cricketers and sportsmen. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 what you in a sense fear most is the welfare of the employees and what you know what their interests would be and how do you create transitions from them. The one on one of any reform is nobody should come off worse off, and potentially some more people should come off better off, right? Uh, so you have to do it. Which makes somebody coming off be- worse off in relative terms, but 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 most people in these instances, I think, care about more their absolute well-being than their relative well-being, right? If you can convince people of that. You know, okay. I will not argue with the master. Would, right. would like to just give a shout out to Air India in case the three people from the employee list of the last 40 years listens to our show. Uh, I think their, their people skills are quite good. I must say, whenever I travel with them, they've looked after us really well. Uh, planes being on time and all is another issue. But I think the people, the, the, the HR should be commended because I, I, like, the, I like this sort of uh, customer care that I get. No complaints. No, no. And look, you also have to ask, you know, what are the functions that would not be done if Air India was not there? So for example, so Tsunami relief, right? Uh, Air India pilots were the only ones, right, who you could get to do those dangerous missions. Now, right. you, you should find a, a substitute. That's not that's not an argument for holding on to Air India. Right, right. Um, but but I'm saying that once you start digging into the details, the latent functions stuff. of these things turn out to be a lot more complicated than we realize. All right, my chest is out. Air India. Yeah. I've got that feeling from the uh, gentleman who's just sent in the question. A, a follow-up about this Air India thing. Harvesh Kasab has asked, uh, talking about private privatization in budget, how likely do you think Air India and Indian Railways is being, uh, it, how likely are they to be get privatized? Oh, well, they're two different. Uh, I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, look, I, again, you know, since we are talking about financial markets, I guess I have license to speculate because that's all they do anyway. Speculate away. So the short answer is it depends on the price at which you're willing to sell them. Obviously, the price which you were expecting, there isn't that kind of, you know, market. cash floating account <laughs> for people to write, write market. Uh, now, Apparently, the Tatas are interested in and and in, in India. Since we keep returning to where we started, yeah. maybe they'll some poetic justice. Um, uh, the Tatas will be called to, Tata Airways finally. <laughs> the, the, the Tata seem to have some. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it'll depend on whether the price has been lowered enough and the accumulated liabilities have been adjusted enough for it to be attractive enough for somebody like the Tatas. I have no inside knowledge that, you know, uh, that would allow me to say one way or the other whether that's possible. Maybe Jack Ma could buy it. Oops, that's right. We're not sure. We're not <laughs> right. sure. Well, right. I'm sorry. That brought that up. Well, well you know, if you offered it to the Chinese, maybe you could get it, right? Uh, yeah. I don't think he considers himself Chinese <laughs> if he's alive right now. But yeah, I not guess. Jack, not, not Jack Ma. Maybe the another Chinese itself. state on your line, right? There's only one billionaire in China <laughs> now. From what I gather. Uh, Silvery. Yeah. Next one comes in from uh, Suraj Call. He asks, uh, which of the if this, then this situation uh, would be on your wish list and which one is something that is most likely to happen according to Pratap sir? I do hope they realize some of the proceeds from privatization that they are promising. I mean, that's, you know, partly just just for the macroeconomic numbers, that's important because otherwise you and I will have to cough, cough up a lot of taxes uh, next year for the wrong purposes. I mean, it's one thing to cough up Texas for sort of kind of some productive activity, but right, or for creating a social safety net, but to sort of subsidize government inefficiency. So that's, that's in a sense, probably the biggest one. The second one is that all your investments in health, which are promised actually pan out on the ground. Assume your vaccination plan works well. Assume the investments in public health begin to pay off, uh, because that's, that's, that's a really significant long-term investment. Uh, the one that is really bad in this budget is education has been slashed 
okay, in absolute terms, not just in the almost 6,000 crores, right? That just strikes me as really misplaced per priorities in a country with a very, very young population and particularly hit by the pandemic in terms of educational, uh, you know. But therein perhaps lies the problem because you can learn at home now, literally. So maybe the government is offloading that and saying, you know, outsource it to your own family, figure it out. Exactly. It solves lots of problems, right? So if people are unemployed, they don't mind because they're teaching their kids. You know, the kids are learning at home, et cetera, et cetera. You know, arguably, right? Um, uh, uh, the, the only thing is you have to make sure that, that you don't cut off people's internet, right? Which we seem to be very fond of doing. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's deliberate. I think that's a work in progress. <laughs> yes. But yeah, so cutting yeah. off education is a bit ridiculous. Um, is, there, is there anything on defense? So, so defense is pretty much stagnant. It's going to come down in absolute terms. Uh, the only caveat I'd say on defense is that apparently the Finance Commission mm-hmm. is going to propose a special defense fund over the next five years, which can be rolled over from year to year, which may get, then you know shield defense spending from our kind of regular budgetary cycles. Uh, let's see if that happens. We'll have a defense budget and a railway budget and a real budget. Yeah, or, or at least a capital fund for spending on defense. Uh, for things that only one newsmaker knows about uh, along with the government. Right, right. That exactly. unnamed newsmaker who seems to have his ear to the ground. Yes. All right. Uh, what else, Silvery? Yeah, next one comes in from S. Katyayan. He says, uh, Hi, Cyrus, uh, Antariksh and guest. Question for uh, P.B. Mehta. How real is, in his opinion, the danger of mainstreaming of UPCM in other state polities? What? So look, this is a million dollar question, right? Because And we don't want to answer it. It's on you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, are you looking at the, you know, when you see Yogi Atitinath, are you looking at the future of the BJP, right? Um, and the short answer is yes. Uh, he is the most popular leader in the party. The more law and order gets worse in UP, the more popular he becomes in the party. The RSS, the RSS will put their weight behind him. This is my, my kind of prediction, right? Um, and he's perfecting a new model of governance, which a lot of people want to rally around. So he's definitely going to be a significant force in Indian politics. Yeah, so if, um, you know, the Prime Minister is Viru Shevag, then isn't Amit Shah Gautam Gambhir and wouldn't you then expect him to... Uh, Take on down the mantle. What happens to Amit Shah? There's two things here, right? Are there two forces in the BJP? No, I, I think we always exaggerate the internal divisions within the BJP. And one of the things about these right-wing parties is that they don't, they don't split as easily as our left and center guys. Yeah? We are always fighting with each other. And remember, in the BJP, the RSS is still an important factor because that is the organization that draws out the carders, right? That's the electoral... So Mohan Bhagwat is... Has more power than it certainly has a significant say in, as it were, the succession. Now, the traditional wisdom was that Yogi Adityanath actually did not rise to the RSS, right? I mean, he has his own kind of radical. So, Yogi Adityanath school of uh, reform, right? Yeah. Uh, but you know, just to see his influence, take Shivrat Singh Chauhan in Madhya Pradesh. Used to be on the scale a relatively decent, well-performing chief minister. In his current term now, in the last few months, he is trying to play out the Yogi Adityanath playbook, right? Love Jihad, back on the agenda, 
putting comedians in jail. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is not stuff you, you know. So, so the playbook is spreading. And this is populist uh, stuff to uh, do, is it? Because, 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 because everybody thinks, this is not populist. This is because everybody thinks that you will get rewarded for the kind of behavior Yogi Atitinath is engaging in. Ah, so it's a good example of a bad example. Exactly. To exactly. Take a look at it from outside. But again, I'll put you on the spot here. So you're saying that past, post-Namo, age being a factor, I don't see him losing at the moment. I don't see that happening. Yeah, yeah. But post him, Amit Shah doesn't ascend the throne. It goes to Yogi Adityanath. In your humble opinion. Yogi Adityanath remains a very, very... Sick. Look, look, so just do the math, right? If the BJP is going to remain in power, then UP is still going to be central, right? They, they will give you 60, 50, 60 odd. Of course, it's right? a numbers game. I get that, yeah. So just by virtue of that, right? He can bully his way through. He can bully his way through at least a lot of influence and be, if, even if Mr. Ramit Shah ascends, uh, he will have to rely on the yogi's playbook. But right. will he ever, if he, if he becomes PM Pratap, in your humble opinion, again, may I use this phrase, yeah. will he ever wear Western clothing? That, that's going to be the, that's going to be the least of his challenges. Will right? you ever see him in jeans and t-shirt? But he's going to go to America, England, whatever. I'm just thinking. A, a no, day no, that's out. okay. That, that, I mean, that's okay. He's a yogi. He can weather the cold and the snow. I mean, that's, that's the least of his challenges, right? So, Gandhi carried it off. Right. <laughs> in fact, right. almost married a friend. Uh, yeah. uh, the only question is whether he lets shows like this function. I mean, that's going oh, to be no, the no, no. challenge. As long as we are under the radar, nobody knows. Uh, I'm, that's why I told Amit Doshi, make sure we don't have, ever get to one lakh subscribers uh, and more. We have to keep it low. Low and slow. That's the way to function. Almost like a small medium industry in the, who can survive the <laughs> pandemic and then quietly grow. That's our idea. Yeah, 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 but you don't know how deep their eyes reach, right? Yeah. But I always say nice things at the end and you're wearing an orange sweater. Yeah. So I, I try to make sure that we are in the middle. We're always right. the centrist comedians. We try and keep it as a... Sometimes sure. it's difficult when they lock up poor Faruqi uh, mm-hmm. for a month in Madhya Pradesh and don't even let him go to the Tiger Reserve because there's no point. Young boy like that. But say la vie as we say in Marathi and we'll see what happens. Uh, I think, do we have time for one more, uh, Silvri? Yeah, yeah, one more. Uh, this one comes in from Varun Kashyap. He says, uh, the economic survey clearly st- uh, clearly says that spending on healthcare is needed. But if I'm not wrong, technically, it's comparatively lower than previous years if we uh, remove spending on COVID vaccines and others. Is the government still playing to the gallery? What do you think? No, it's it, look, it's not playing to the gallery. The, the tragedy of modern India has been that we have not thought it fit to invest in public health as a big priority. And I think now there's a little bit more awareness that you can't deal with things like pandemics only by private resources. Um, So we are inching a little bit more towards uh, creating a public health infrastructure, but clearly it is not the kind of priority that you would have expected in a post, you know, post COVID year. Uh, We'll return to status quo ante. All right. I, I think uh, Pratap has been fairly, I have not mentioned, I should have mentioned this, that uh, he's the voice of reason in the, well, not in in the press, in a sense. Um, would it be fair to say the Indian Express is one of those periodicals which is the closest to being uh, straight up honest sort of journalism? Or is that too much to ask you? I, I, I think we should let the readers judge that. I mean, okay. uh, you, know, uh, the but, first rule, uh, just, you know, the first rule is you should never be a judge in your own cause. Yeah, not, to praise, not to ask you to praise yourself. I'm just asking the fear factor that perhaps the media is skewed in one direction and, you know, it's so difficult to get news, which is, oh, it's skewed completely against, you know, there's balance, you know, sort of jargon doesn't uh, appear anymore. Well, I, I think more than balance, what you need is objectivity because you objectivity, know, balance, that's the word, right? Balance has become misused. Balance now means, you know, the truth and false, you balance between them. Sir, right? you're a doctorate from Princeton. I'm a BA, LLB, two years from Government Law College. Yeah, go on. So, uh, all, all I can say is that I think uh, 
for me personally, the Express has never in all these years of writing asked me to ever change that's exactly your opinion or a single word that I've written. And that's, that's something I can say with confidence. Well, where I work, they have. Um, so <laughs> therein okay. lies the difference. I had a big argument. The last question uh, the other day with a group of people over the difference between Donald Trump and the fact that the fourth estate and uh, let's say the, the institutions like the judiciary, etc., somewhat are, are free, freer and more independent than perhaps they are here. Hence, as much as he tried, he wasn't able to bully them completely. But out here, if you have a strong government in the sense of, literally in the sense of, sense of strong, uh, the institutions sort of crumble, as we've seen with the press and to some extent with the judiciary. Fair to say? Uh, no, no, totally. I mean, so, so two things. One, of course, are independent institutions, particularly the Supreme Court. There are some high court judges here and there who are still doing, you know, including in Allahabad, by the way, yeah. who've given some, you know, wonderful judgments. judgments. Uh, but the Supreme Court kind of more or less collapsed on when we needed it the most. But the other important thing, since you're in Bombay, and, and you know, let me say something that will have people shut you down. Indian capital, right, uh-huh. has put its weight behind the government. And you know, in any society, those who allocate capital allocate power. Mm. Jeff Bezos can go and buy Washington Post and run something, right? What does Indian capital do? Invest in Republic TV, okay? So... It's not just the media. It is a particular way in which capital media and the state ally to produce a new kind of information order. And the day Indian capital decides to desert the government, you'll suddenly find media houses also, you know, will acquire their voice. Okay, so Pratap says it's an oligarchy, not really a democracy. We'll get you further information as the year progresses. Listen, this has been fabulous. Pratap, thank you for talking to us and bearing with my stupid conversation and questions. And uh, we'll hold you to everything you've said. And we'll play it on record whenever people ask us, especially the budgetary information. But honestly, it's been great fun for me. Silvery, anything you'd like to say? Uh, That's it. Thank you so much, sir. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. You, you might get something on your desk, Pratap. Mikhail Brocha, Ashok University. Uh, just remember. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, just I don't want to, you know. All the Ashoka University says is, uh, we will make sure justice is done. Damn it. Finally, justice in, in India, and it's only in a university. God, man. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's how it plays out. Okay, guys, see you. Have okay. a great day. Thank I you. have to now figure out the losses in the yeah, office. No, no. Ho- Bye. hope it's not too it. Bye. Okay, catch us on any of the podcasting apps, please. We beg you, we need you. Send us your questions on Twitter, on Cyrus Says In. Or you can email us, even if you're not female, on whatcyrussays at gmail.com. 